Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the book of Romans about war between the Holy Spirit and the sinful desires of man. Aiming high for holiness may seem discouraging at times because there will be times of failure. However, the conflict is a good thing. It means that we care and that the battle for holiness and sanctification is being fought in our lives. We encourage you to rely on God in Christ to overcome sin. And now, here's Pastor Eric. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, of course, that's our gift to you. If you don't have a a Bible or an ESV, uh, that page number is going to be page 943. 943 in the Black Pew Bible. I want to preach a sermon I've titled Conflict Resolution. Conflict Resolution. And I want us to look at... Romans 7, uh, verses 24 and 25, the last couple of verses there. You know, we all struggle with sin, don't we? Every person in here, we're all alike. We all need the grace of Jesus Christ. And we all have this ongoing struggle with sin. Someone has said, what's what's wrong? What's wrong? Me. It's, It's me. And I know at times you felt that way too. There's a great book of Puritan prayers called The Valley of Vision. I'd I'd like for you to hear what one man once prayed. O changeless God, under the conviction of Thy Spirit, I learned that the more I do, the worse I am. The more I know, the less I know. The more holiness I have, the more sinful I am. The more I love, the more there is to love, O wretched man that I am. O Lord, I have a wild heart and cannot stand before Thee. I'm like a bird before a man. How little I love Thy truth and ways. I neglect prayer by thinking I have prayed enough and earnestly by knowing that Thou hast saved my soul. Of all hypocrites, grant that I may not be an evangelical hypocrite who sins more safely because grace abounds who tells his lust that Christ's blood cleanseth them, who reasons that God cannot cast him into hell for he is saved, who loves evangelical preaching, churches, Christians, but lives unholily. Paradoxes. This is the conflict resolution that we're going to look at this morning from Romans chapter 7. There are some professors that have written commentaries on the book of Romans. There were five that were asked, what were some of the hardest parts of your commentary to write? And there were about three of them that said Romans 7. Now I think you and I, as we read this, we're going to say, well, what's hard about that? This is the, the conflict that we all have. It's the, the ongoing struggle that we have with sin. And so this morning, we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul states, really what the Holy Spirit states through the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. 
But I want us to first start towards the, the, the end of chapter 7 or at the beginning of the text that we'll look at today. And I want us to look at Romans 7, verse 24 and 25. Paul says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. Here Paul states, number one, the cry, and number two, the deliverance. Verse 24 shows the cry, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? And then number two, the deliverance comes in verse 25. Well, thanks be to God. It's found through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Or we'll see, as I want you to see today, the conflict. Wretched man that I am. Who will save me? And then the resolution. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you join me one more time in prayer? Holy Father, what an opportunity it's been today to joyfully celebrate You in salvation, that Christ is risen from the dead, that we have victory in Jesus, and Lord, that You are with us. And so, Lord, we give You all the praise. Lord, we know what it is to groan and to pray, wretched person that I am in this struggle with ongoing sin. But Lord, we also know what it's like to gather today and to celebrate and to say thanks be to God, for there's victory through Jesus Christ. So Lord, guide us into truth now. Your Word is truth. And Lord, sanctify our hearts. In Christ's name, we pray for His glory. Amen. I want you to see number one, the conflict. Number one, the conflict. In verse 24, as we have said, Paul says, Wretched man that I am. John Newton wrote the great song, Amazing Grace. Uh, it's a great biography on John Newton that we probably should all read. But John Newton said this. He said, Did you ever see my picture? And then he went on to describe Romans 7. He said, That's my picture. Romans chapter 7. So let's read it. Let's go back and get the context. Let's go back to Romans 7, and let's start in verse 13. Really, it's like a mirror <laughs> for ourselves, for John Newton. The Apostle Paul says, Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment, might become sinful beyond all measure. Let's stop right there. What the Apostle Paul is doing in chapter 7 is he's already showed that we are sinful people, and so the, the question might be, well, is the law sinful? And he, he goes on to say, no, the law, law is not sinful at all. It's actually good. The law then becomes like a mirror. It becomes like a spotlight and it spotlights our sin. It shows us our sin. Remember the, 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 the man Micah and the misguided minister in the book of Judges, they needed the law because the law illuminates sin. It shows us our sin. It, it rebukes us and it corrects us. And it's, it's certainly not bad. It's certainly good. And so Paul begins to say, yes, I wouldn't have known what coveting was except the law came in and said, don't covet. You see that in verse 7. So he says, the law is good. Uh, it, it, it's not bringing death, it's actually sin. Now let's look at verse 14. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do 
what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, wretched man that I am. Oh, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The conflict. It's as if we see the conflicting relationship of four parties. So imagine that these four parties walk into a, a coffee shop or these four parties walk into a, a, a dinner party. And these are the four parties. Sin, flesh, law, and those are the main players, and the Spirit. And so we begin to see an Apostle Paul as if all of these are like personified and the conflicting relationship that they all have with sin and flesh. And sin becomes dominant. You get those two parties in the room and sin will corrupt the flesh, right? Well, then you try to add the law. And the law will, will do okay, but the law and sin don't really get along, right? The law spotlights sin. And sin doesn't like that. Sin kind of, whoa, 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 you're saying it, right? But you try to take the flesh and make the flesh abide under the law. And that, that's a tricky thing too, right? And then if you're in Christ, you add the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit changes everything. The Holy Spirit changes the relationship with sin and with the flesh and with the law. And so in my mind, when I read this, it, it helps me to just have a picture of these four parties in a, in a coffee shop or sitting at a table and they just have all this conflict and this conflicting relationship, even in how they deal with, with one another. And, and oh, it gets messy. So what we see in Romans chapter 7 is this. It's the frustration. It's Paul's frustration. It's the frustration of sin, self, and religion. Sin, flesh, and the law. Sin, self, and religion. Those things are so hard. There's always a conflict there of the, the sinful desires that a person has. Then the selfish desires, and those might be good, those might be wrong, and then the religious things that are impressed on them. And really, every Buddhist, every Hindu, every, every Muslim would have those three also. How do they deal with sin? How do they deal with their own flesh and their self and even their desires to keep you know, their religious laws and how that religion says, this is how you manage sin in your life and this is how you subdue the flesh and the self? That's a conflict for anybody, right? It, it, all of a sudden, that's, that's man's conflict. And it's frustrating. 
It leads to frustration. A.W. Pink was a great preacher and writer. Hear this quote from him. There's ceaseless warfare between the flesh and the spirit. There's no need for us to enlarge on this. For every Christian, because of the plague of his heart, groans within himself, Oh, what a wretched man I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Romans 7, 24. Pete says there is that ceaseless war, those two dogs within us that battles the sin nature, and, but also the spirit. And Which one's going to win? The one you feed more, right? But Pink says, we don't, we don't have to enlarge on this. He says, I, I think you know that struggle. I think you know that frustration. I do. What wretched man that I am. I have the desire to do good. I stand up here and proclaim it. And then the next day, I find myself battling with all the things that I even said. How do I put that into practice? Lord, wretched man, who's going to free me? I know the plague of my heart. I know that groaning. Remember Martin Luther? He was Catholic. He was a great Catholic monk that sought to reform Catholicism, to transform Catholicism, to say, wait a minute, let's get to the truth and let's change this and get more biblical. Listen to what Martin Luther said. When I was a monk, I thought I was lost forever when I felt an evil emotion, carnal lust, wrath, hatred, or envy. I tried to quiet my conscience in many ways, but it did not work. Because lust would always come back and give me no rest. I told myself, you have permitted this and that sin, envy, impatience, and the like. Your joining this holy order has been in vain. And all your good works are good for nothing. If at that time I had understood this passage, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, I could have spared myself many a day of self-torment. I would have said to myself, Martin, you will never be without sin, for you have flesh. Despair not, but resist the flesh. Even Luther says, I know that frustration. I imagine any monk, any nun, it does not matter what vow you take, any Buddhist, any Hindu, I imagine they all, we all know that struggle of trying to take the sin in our lives and with our own fleshly efforts, subdue it and say no, right? It just leads to frustration because what do you do when it comes back? I don't want to do it, but I do it. And I, I want to do this, but I can't do that. And I wind up doing the exact opposite. Ah, wretched person that I am. And Luther said, I would beat myself up again and again and again and if I could only have come to understand Galatians and Romans. In... Romans chapter 7, verse 14 and following, there's sort of a change. Paul begins to write, I, I, I don't understand what I do. If I do this, it's no longer, I, I don't understand, I, 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 I. Now let me give you the, the seminary crash course on this. You may not have understood, that's, that's one of the most controversial passages in Romans. You think, really? Like That sounds kind of basic, like we kind of understand that. And where the problem comes is how does it relate to Romans 6 and how does it relate to Romans 8 when we talk about victory in the Spirit? And so there are four different views of I. Who is the I that the Apostle Paul is referring to? Let me give you those four views for those of you who are interested. Number one is this, that, that the view is that that is the believer. Let's call him Paul the Christian. That this is 
Paul the Christian, the mature believer speaking, saying, I don't understand what I do. I have this war within me. I don't do the good. I wind up doing the evil. The first view is that that's just Paul talking. The second view that takes in some of the context is this, that that I is referring to an unbeliever, referring to, let's call him Saul, the Jew. The Jew that takes the law and tries to say, I delight in the law of God, and I'm going to use the law, the Torah, to try to subdue the flesh. So it's Paul before Christ. I don't understand what I do. I can't do it. I can't win. I sin. There is no victory for me. So that's the the second view. View number one, this is the believer, mature believer, Paul the Christian. View number two, this is an unbeliever. This is the Jew, any Jew who tries to put sin and the flesh to death through the law, saying it ain't going to (laughs) work. More religion's not the answer. A third view, number three, was this. Some say that this is describing the immature believer. That this is someone who's not a mature believer, but someone who is still, we would call it a carnal Christian. That they are letting the flesh rule more than the Spirit. And so they have this this tension and this conflict. And so they're not winning the more because they're immature and they're living carnally. A fourth view, which I I really like, we had, I had in Bible college a, a whole class, you know, imagine this, you would love it, right? A whole semester on Romans. A whole semester. You're nothing but Romans. And then you have to write papers. And so one of the papers that I had to write was, who's the I in Romans chapter 7? But it was really quite fun. And there, there are people that will take all different views that you know and love and respect. It really is a, a controversial thing. There's some things that happen there in the Greek and it, it's interesting. And I, I don't, I don't want to bore you, and plus it's over my head anyway. So who is the I? Number one, maybe it's Paul. Number two, maybe it's Saul. Maybe it's number one, believer. Number two, a Jew. Number three, immature believer. Or I like this view. Number four, who's the I? Anyone who attempts to submit flesh to law. In this view, it it states that it can be anybody, believer or unbeliever. Anybody. It could be even the unbeliever. It could be the Hindu, the Buddhist that tries to take flesh and make the flesh submit to law. Anybody. And as Christians, we, we try to do that too. And it, this is the frustration. This is, this is the difficulty. It is the conflict. But I like what Pink says. He says, you, you don't really have to enlarge on that. You really don't have to debate it because we all know it. We all know it from experience. Where the conflict comes in is when you start to see the victory in the Spirit in Romans 8. And then because of theology and other things, we, we, we want to take it and go, okay, well, who is this referring to? The conflict. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the good conflict. This is a good conflict. In life, there are some things that are good conflicts. This is a good conflict to have. Have you ever thought, what makes Paul groan? What makes Paul wail? What makes the Apostle Paul cry out? And here it is. The real struggle, the real suffering, the real trial of sin. This makes Paul cry out, wretched man that I am. Wretched people that we are. We have this conflict. Who will deliver us from this? That makes Paul cry out. To see sin struggle, to see somebody wrestle with bad habits or indwelling sin and how you face that, it's the struggle. 
It is what we could call this good conflict, the war of the affections. Look at verse 23. He says, I see in my members, I see in me and myself, another law, another rule, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. The Apostle Paul in that verse is talking about, I have this war of my affections. I have this affection for, for God and for His law and His commands, but it's waging war against me. It's, it's making me captive. It's, it's waging war against me and inside of me. Paul is in some way saying this, for many of us, the desire is greater than the degree, right? My desire is greater than the degree. My desire for the things of God, my desire for holiness, it's, it's greater than the degree. We might say it this way, I aim but never accomplish, right? Have you aimed high for holiness? I aim here, but I'm not accomplishing. My desire is greater than the degree. I have this war and I, it seems like I, I can't win. It is an internal conflict. Do you know that internal conflict? Have you battled with that? Have you wrestled with that internal conflict? We could say this, that the conflict is actually a good thing. It's a good thing to have this war going on inside of us. It, it means that we care. It means that there is a, a holy battle being fought. The bad thing would be to not care at all. To not try anything, to just give in to the flesh and to give in to, to sin. So let's hear from others. Remember the great preacher C.H. Spurgeon? He said this about this passage. On the one hand, he agonizes. And on the other hand, he triumphs. Loathing sin and glorying in Christ are our daily experience. Groaning after holiness and finding it in Jesus, we both sigh and sing, repent and rejoice, fight and conquer. This is not a past, but a present experience. And He is a true heir of heaven who fills it within. Don't you love that? It's a good thing to have this conflict. Spurgeon had it. Luther had it. A.W. Pink had it. Listen to what he says. Two things always go together in the experience of a genuine believer. A growing discovery of the vileness of self and a deepening appreciation of the preciousness of Christ. It's that conflict, that daily war, the war of the thoughts, the emotions, the war of the, the nature's butting heads. But he says, we'll grow. Oh, discovering how vile and wretched a man I am, but also discovering the, the preciousness of Christ where we can cry out, thanks be to God. It is a paradox. It is an oxymoron. You could call it bitter rejoicing. That's what he's doing here, right? The bitter rejoicing that Christians do. You could call it this, a God-pleasing despair, right? It's a, it's a paradox. A God-pleasing despair. Look at verse 19. You've probably read this before. He says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I don't want is what I keep on doing. The good, oh, the good I want to do, I don't do. The good, what might be the good desired? 
for you? What might be that good thing that you desire, but you say, oh, I find myself not carrying it out? All the good Bible reading, the good praying, the good evangelism, the good worship, the, the, the good right family togetherness. I don't know what that good is. It looks different for all of us, but he says, that's the good that I want to do and I, I don't do always. He says, the evil that I don't want to do is what I keep on doing. The evil. What might be the evil done? What is it, that evil thing that you say, ah, it gets me. My anger, Luther would say. My lust, my, my impatience, my, my envy. Oh, I try to subdue it with the flesh and I, I beat myself up. And Where do we find resolution for this conflict? Where do we find resolution for the war within? And so obviously what the Apostle Paul is saying is this, the answer is not in more self-effort. Try harder. More self-effort. No. Obviously the answer is not in better performance. If I just perform better, well, try that and it, you're gonna, it's going to be that same ah, uh, uh, frustration, right? Obviously the answer is not more religion, right? So go join the monastery and what, go, go lock yourself in a room and become celibate. And guess what? I'm still there. <laughs> What's wrong? I'm still there in that room with my thoughts and my heart. You can't escape it. The conflict will just look different, but it'll still be there. Right? So simply trying our best to improve won't work. It won't help. We need, the Apostle Paul shows, the Holy Spirit to help. We need the Holy Spirit to intervene. Otherwise, the sin, the flesh, and the law in that conflicting coffee shop, they're never, it's never going to work itself out. But thank God someone's going to open the coffee shop and step right in and it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And he's going to say, hey, whoa, whoa, I can, I can do this and get this and I will handle this. The answer is not religious performance. The answer is always a relationship. So let's look at it. Point number two, the resolution. The conflict, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thanks be to God, he says. Verse 25, the resolution. The deliverance. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's Him. That's where He finds it. So then I myself, I serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. It's found in Jesus Christ. That's where the resolution is found. In Christ Jesus. In a relationship with the Lord and Savior. We also see it in Romans 8. Now you know there were no chapter divisions when the apostles wrote or verses or anything like that. Sometimes they're appropriate and sometimes they're not. But the, the letter just continues. So let's continue to read in, in Romans 8 and let's look at verses 1 through 11. Right? Who, who will save me? Well, thanks be to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to serve Him. Verse 1 of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done, oh, praise be to Him. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, that's how that relationship works. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, could never do. How? By sending His own Son. Amen. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that 
the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead... Now that's an Easter verse. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's the resolution. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. The resolution is found in Jesus Christ. The resolution is this, that the Holy Spirit brings help. The Holy Spirit brings us peace. The Holy Spirit brings us victory. So John Newton, I told you, he said, you want to see my picture? Go to Romans 7. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, but in, he, he's noted for this, he wrote amazing letters. You can read those letters online for free. Uh, he wrote letters to all sorts of different people. And in the year 1772, John Newton wrote about three letters to, to someone, to a dear brother, about indwelling sin, where he talked about Romans 7. In one letter, he wrote these words, Sin will distress, but it cannot condemn those who believe in Jesus. Though my disease is grievous, it is not desperate. I have a gracious and infallible physician. Amen? Sin can distress, but it cannot condemn. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We go back to Romans 8, 1, and we preach it to us over and over and over. Anytime the flesh condemns us, anytime the law condemns us, it will spotlight our sin. We remind us of the resolution that's found in Jesus Christ of salvation, that we now have the Spirit of God in us. He says, yes, I'm not going to deny. <laughs> My disease is terrible. But it's not desperate because I have a great physician. And I know Him, and He knows me. So we could say this, because of Christ, we're not defeated. We're not defeated. We're not. You may write this down. Although the presence of sin is not yet abolished, its influence has been altered. You think about that? Although the presence of sin is not yet abolished, we still have the presence of sin. I do in my life, you do in your life, it's still all around us. And that presence of sin in our inner being, we delight to see it abolished, but it's, it's just not there yet. It's just a process. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. But, but its influence now has been altered. If we are in Christ, its influence has been changed. We're no longer under its dominion. Something has, has changed in that relationship. Presence, yes. Influence, well, that's been, that's been changed. So we could say it this way. Our sin may burden, but it shall not dominate. For in Christ Jesus. Keep having the good conflict. It will burden. 
But it won't dominate. You say, I feel dominated. Uh, maybe, maybe, but maybe not. Press on, dear brother. Press on, dear sister. Feel like Paul. Cry out. I don't want to do that, but I do that. But oh, keep, keep, keep going. Keep going. Look at verse 11 of chapter 8. I love this. It says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Really what we see in this chapter is the Gospel. Our sin and Christ's salvation, His provision. Our wretchedness, but that resolution. Because we know, Scripture says, Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. According to the Scriptures, Christ died in my place. Christ died for my war. Christ died for sin's battle that wars within us. He died for us. Do you know the Gospel today? Do you know that you are justified now in Christ by faith in His work? You can be declared righteous by faith. That's Romans chapter 3. You can be justified by faith. Faith alone in Christ alone, those reformers would preach. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ's work. Not our work. Not more religion. Not better effort. Not trying harder. We're justified by faith in His work. So we're positionally sanctified by faith. We are, we are justified. That's positional sanctification. Being set apart in Christ by faith. But now we're progressively being sanctified each day as we follow the Spirit. And we focus on the Spirit. The mind focused on the flesh is death. The mind focused on more religion. I don't suppose that's going to help. But the mind focused on the Spirit, he says, is life and peace. And so progressively we're being sanctified. Ultimately, we'll be there. As Amazing Grace says, grace will lead us home. Not works. Not religion. Grace will lead us home and change us from one degree of glory to another, to another. He's working on us. So as we close today, maybe the first thing that we all need to do is this, rely upon Him for rescue. Don't rely upon yourself. Don't rely upon religion. Don't rely upon our best efforts. Rely upon Christ Jesus. Rely upon Him for rescue. One old Puritan said these words. I liked it. He said this. Be assured then, if you have never cried out from the depths of your soul, O wretched man that I am, you're dead in sin or dead in profession. He says, you be assured. You, you need to examine yourself. If you've never prayed, verse 24, you might still be dead in your sin or dead in your profession. Just simply saying, oh yes, I'm a Christian. I'm okay. Right? We need to first get it right and say, I want to rely on Christ Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to put my faith in Him, and to be justified. The Gospel. The Gospel, as we often share, says that God wants to have a relationship with you. No matter what. No matter how dirty you are. That God wants a relationship with you. The gospel to have good news has to have that bad news. And the bad news is that our sins do separate us from God. We know that deep down. We know that, Lord, there's something between me and you. And I know you love me and you want a relationship. And I know there's sins that are separating us. That, that conflict that we have. And what we preach is that sins will never be removed by good deeds. 
Just, just trying with self and the law and whatever religion you pick, it will never, how do you ever experience the victory? It just will be frustrating. So the New Testament tells us this is why Christ came. Christ came to pay the price for our sins. He died, He rose again. And if He rose, if you've trusted in Him, that same Spirit that, that with all power of resurrection power will resurrect us spiritually. And guess what? One day physically too. We get all of a sudden a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. We get a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We get a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's really not as we sing Jesus in our heart. He's at the right hand of the Father. right? Singing, uh, offering prayers for us. The Holy Spirit is in our heart. Leading us. He dwells in us. Now that, He can deal with my flesh and my sin. So rely on Him. Rely upon Him for rescue. Number, number two, we could say this. Um, we must concentrate on the Holy Spirit. I think we need to do that more. I know I need to do that more. What if instead of concentrating on my sin or, or concentrating on how to overcome the sin with, with efforts, and to concentrate more on the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, come and have your way. And I want to focus on you. I want to put my mind on you, as verse 6 says, to set the mind on the flesh is death. To set it on the law, it's just going to show me my need. But to set the mind on the Lord Jesus, to set the mind on the gospel, to set the mind on the Holy Spirit, that leads to life and peace. So we don't need more religion, we need more spirit. More Holy Spirit in us. He's our power. So we have to set our focus on the person of Christ and on the person of the Holy Spirit and to concentrate daily upon His presence. I think, I suppose that's what Luther was doing when he said, Martin, you'll never be without sin for you have flesh, but despair not. Resist the flesh. He said, I could have spent many days you know, from self-torment. Why? To, to rest and to focus on the Spirit. To practice the presence of Christ. And so I would say this. Number one, rely on Him for rescue. If you're not a Christian today, to become one. To truly trust in Christ alone. To give Him your struggles. But the second thing is, is to do this. Number two, if you are a Christian, just keep fighting. Just keep fighting. Just keep warring. Just keep depending on the Spirit. Keep crying out like the keep Keep the conflict. Keep saying, Lord, Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust in You today. So as we close, put the application on the screen for you. Number one, see sin. See sin and hate it. The law is good. It's not bad. It's what he says to start off Romans 7. The law is not bad at all. The law will show us our sin and we need the law. So see your sin. See the sin. See it as sin. Hate it. Despise it. Know that it's sin. Number two, have the conflict. Ways to have that conflict. Oh, it's a good thing. And fight sin. Keep, keep going. Keep depending on the Spirit. But number three, find that resolution in Christ in His finished work, in His provision, find that resolution in the Gospel. The Gospel doesn't say we do. The Gospel say He has. He's done. It's finished. Find resolution in the Holy Spirit. Lord, not more of me, but more of You, Spirit of the living God. More Spirit. We bow your head. We close your eyes. The great preacher Jonathan Edwards once prayed this about indwelling sin. He said, The godly man carries his indwelling sin as his daily and greatest burden because he loathes it. He longs to get rid of it and would fain be at a great distance from it and have nothing more to do with it. 
He is ready to cry out as Paul did, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The unregenerate man has nothing of this spiritual nature, for sin is yet his delight. He dearly loves it. His love to sin in general is not mortified. He loves it as well as ever. He hides it still as a sweet morsel under his tongue. See, you're different in Christ. Don't be that unregenerate person. Be that godly person. Loathe and say, oh, I, the more that I understand myself, I despise it and understand my own wretchedness and vileness, but oh, I find that gospel is so much sweeter, so much more precious. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.